He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward with you as always. Speaking of Oklahoma, guys, I'm looking out my window right now, and it literally looks like a snow globe. There is no golf going on in the state of Oklahoma. Taylor, I'll start with you. What do you do as a golfer on a day where you can't play golf? On a day like this, you just got to stay out of the snow, or you go out every once in a while, maybe try to make some snowmen, but I'm not sure if it'll compact. It sounds like it's snowing a little bit harder up in y'all's area than it is down here, but... It looks like it's just all over the state, essentially, right now. But, Woody, I think in the next couple of days we'll be able to get out and tee it up because we're going to see this one day, but then the next day it's going to be uh, sunny as clear as ever. It's Oklahoma, boys. Uh, I think it was Will Rogers said, if you don't like it, wait 30 minutes and it'll change. So, <laughs> it, right. it is right now, it is a blizzard where I am, too. But the good news is it doesn't look like it's sticking. So, uh, I, I figure by Friday everybody's playing golf again. It's 50-something degrees on Friday. Well, guys, I mean, it, it looks like a wonderful world outside. And you know who has had a wonderful start to his PGA Tour season? That's John Rom, guys. And I want to start the show off with this stat, and then we can get into the recap of the Amex. But John Rom this week at Torrey Pines, will go for his third straight win in as many starts on the PGA Tour. Since 1997, there have been 18 separate instances of a player winning three straight tour starts. Tiger Woods has 14 of them, guys. That is the Tiger Woods stat I wanted to start the show off with. John Rahm could make it 18, and T-Dub, I think you said that it was it was Rory, and then DJ was the other two. So John Rahm is playing at an elite, elite level, even though it has been a couple easier courses, easier you know, earlier in the year. But at the same time, John Rahm looks to be proving Woody and I right in the fact that he's going to be player of the year this year, right? Uh, he's blowing player of the year out of the way. And, I mean, it's, it's crazy because he's done so well in my pick, player of the year, Rory. We haven't even seen him tee it up yet. We haven't even seen some That's of the right. best in the game tee it up yet, and, and uh, at least in 2023. And Rom's already won twice, and he's got a very good chance to do it again this week because he just absolutely loves Tory. And what, what's just amazing about it to me is, is that he, he's so great off of the tee box and his ball striking so pure. But, but Woody, the main thing that gets me is just how much better his putting is. And even this last week when he, he missed, you know, a lot of six-footers in there, he still gave himself so many opportunities to do it. And even when his putting isn't there like it has been the last eight or ten tournaments that he's played, he can still go out and win because his ball striking so good. He's doing something, too, guys, that, that I always said if he could learn how to control his emotions, that he was going to be unstoppable. That round on Sunday – was a really good test for him. I, I'm going to say two, three years ago, John Rahm might not have won that golf tournament. I think he would have got impatient. I think he would have gotten frustrated. And I, I'm not sure he would have won. Uh, it's not the same John Rahm now. He was just very methodical, uh, basically waiting on the rookies to, to mess up, kind of like Tiger used to always do, just stay there, make cards, birdie now and then, let the other guys mess up. and. Uh, that's basically what happened in this golf tournament. No doubt about it. And, I mean, he had guys like Xander and Kirk and, and Robbie Shelton and Montgomery all chasing him. And it's tough to hold a lead when you know you got to make birdies on a course like that. And John Rom guys, got off to a hot start with kicking birdies on the first couple holes. Davis Thompson was making big putts after big putts, even the big putt for bogey on five, and then birdied the next hole. I was really impressed with him, guys. I mean, to me, Davis Thompson, if that putt drops on 17, first of all, do you guys think that putt would have gone in for Davis Thompson if the pin wasn't in? I mean, to me, that putt hits the back of the hole and drops in. I heard a lot of people saying it would have gone over the hole. I don't think so. I think it hits the back of the hole and drops in to tie because John Rom ended up missing that putt. 
I, I think it would have hit the very center of the hole and maybe did a little pop up and, and then fallen in. Yeah, I I don't think it was coming. It was coming in pretty hot, but it wasn't coming in hot enough. I think it has to be going almost ten feet past the hole if it hits it dead center for it to not go in. And I don't think it was going that far past. But Woody, I, I think this is they kind of brought it up in the broadcast. This is the first time we've really seen the flagstick rule really have an impact on the tournament because any other time in the in the past history of golf up until. Uh, the last three years, the caddy would have been up there tending it, which I think the caddy should have been up there anyway, because just because the caddy's up there tending doesn't mean they have to pull the flag, right? That, that's a fact. And I, I'll tell you what I've learned on these flags. And, uh, you know, our listeners need to know this. Out at Oak Tree National, our flags are really thick. They're, they're heavy flags. That ball will ricochet off of it. Every once in a while, you'll see it thinner pole or a more flexible pole or even some poles that'll have that little very small end at the very end where it sticks into the cup those are the pins you want to leave in if that pin is solid that ball will hit it and ricochet off just like his did i think both you guys are right i think that ball's in the bottom of the cup if he doesn't have the pin and taylor you are spot on why is that caddy not tending that flag and, and I, don't, Woody, I, I do, don't know. I do have to say that I felt like it was one of the skinnier flagpoles that, that happened here. I, I don't know. I, I think that if it was me and I saw that, that would give me scar tissue. I'm not ever leaving the pin in again if I saw that. I, I don't know. That's just me. <laughs> I think you're I think you're smart not to leave the pin in. Now, I, I like it if I don't have a caddy and I'm right. a long ways away. It gives me more depth perception. And and lagging is easier for me uh, by leaving it in. But when I get inside 15, 20 feet, I never leave that. Pin. And my, my point here, T-Dub, is I would take it out in that situation. You need that ball to drop. That's his only chance to win the golf tournament. He hits a perfect putt, and because of his mistake, it doesn't drop. But what I want to get to here is – that made John Rahm's win that much more impressive, the fact that Davis Thompson wasn't backing down. It seemed like every time John Rahm did something great, Davis Thompson had an answer. And every time Davis Thompson had an answer, John Rahm had an answer. And I, I found it to be extremely entertaining golf. And the thing that I really loved about John Rahm this week was off the tee. He just kept pounding that high, beautiful cut right down the poop chute every single time. And it's tough for John Rahm to lose a golf tournament. He's one of the best iron players, if not the best, and one of the best on the greens as well. When he's clicking, if he's hitting the ball in the fairway, no one can beat this guy. Not even, I don't care whether your name is Cam Smith, Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, any of those guys. You're not beating John Rahm when he's playing like this, T-Dub. It looks like when Rom is at his peak, it, he is probably at the top of, of the mountain as far as it is, with, with especially with just the overall potential that he has. Maybe some would argue Rory because we saw how good Rory can play at times, but still, it, it, it's hard to get up to the amount of strokes gained that Rom has been over over these last few few months. And, you know, just him and Davis Thompson, it seems like the biggest difference in that win, Woody, was uh, Thompson's two drives on the par fives. He snap-hooked the one on, on six or five at par five and hit it in the water, which led to his only bogey. And then on 16, he snap hooks it again, which didn't give him an opportunity to go for the green to put some pressure on to, to make a – because that's a hole that Ron birdied as well. He he had a second shot just short. It was able to chip up. So, and But that just shows how close the game of golf is, right? Davis Thompson, more than likely, if he pulls the flag or just hits one of those two drives on the fairway, he, he might be the winner of this tournament. Well, they always used to tell me if it's and butts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. <laughs> uh, 100% right. That, 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 that is – the difference, though, I'm going to go to my grave saying that the reason why world-class golfers win more than guys that aren't world-class golfers is they actually will themselves or believe they're going to win. And I think John Rahm, no matter what was going on, I think John Rahm just knew he was going to win that golf tournament. And no matter what that day, this kid did. Those swings he made on that par five and that, on the back nine and the one on the front nine, though, those were bad golf swings, guys. And my rookie of the year pick, Taylor Montgomery, um, I don't like his golf swing at all, if you really want to know my, my two cents. But uh, 
uh, he made one of the worst-looking golf swings on 17, which was extremely expensive because he's right there too, guys. So I don't know. I, I mean, it's just one of those deals that uh, the rich get richer, and that's how they put it. Yeah, no doubt about it. And we got to talk about Xander Shoffley as well. He looks healthy again, guys. In that final round, shoots 10 under and obviously has the albatross on the par 5 fifth hole. What do you, I mean, I can't, I've watched a lot of golf over the last few years. I mean, the only other albatross on tour I can really remember is Louis Oosthuizen. I mean, T-Dub or Woody, can you remember another albatross in the final round even? I, I, I mean, I, I can't remember one. Uh, Bruce Kepka did it in the final round of the players one year on 16. Okay. Um, I can't remember uh, what year it was, but I remember that one for sure. But yes, it is extremely rare. There was there was another one made at Bay Hill, I believe, Woody. I can't remember who did it. Um, but yeah, there, that, what's crazy about it is the, the old albatross is more rare than the hole-in-one, a lot more rare. So it's, uh, it's a really cool thing when we get to see it. I can tell you guys, I've, I've been lucky enough with just a fluke. I've made 13 hole-in-ones. Never made now. Oh my gosh! Never made thirteen. You've never yeah. made an albatross, no. though. No, that's what that's I'm telling crazy. you. That's hard to do. That is crazy. Yeah, I've made thirteen hole in ones and never made a two on a par five. Now I've come close, but I've never done it. And I think what you know, T Dub saying is that's a much more difficult shot because it's usually a lot longer club than what a par three is that you're hitting your second shot on a par five. But having said that, I've made a lot of whole months with the wood. So <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's crazy how that works. It, it really is guys. And I, the last thing I want to get to of this golf tournament, number one, I want to go back to one thing that T-Dub said about Davis Thompson's driving in the final round. He lost over two and a half shots off the tee, and so the stats back up what T-Dub is saying there, that Davis Thompson really cost himself with those drives, especially on the par fives. Um, John Rahm's putting stats lost almost two and a half shots on the greens. That's deceiving because he was hitting everything to kick in range uh, when he made his birdies in the final round. Now, uh, the other thing that I want to get to, guys, is if you look at these scorecards of this final round, people were making birdie after birdie after birdie on that front nine. Like, look at Chris Kirk's first first nine. He made literally two pars, and everything else was a birdie, guys. And then you kind of see your name on the top of that leaderboard, and it doesn't matter, guys, where you're playing or how easy the course is. I get that the back nine might be a little harder, on this course, but it's not that much harder. Woody, I, I want to start with you on this. Explain to the listener how hard it is to continue that consistently great golf when you're under the pressure, under the gun, in contention, trying to win a PGA Tour event, because I think we really saw it this week on a course that was relatively easy and guys were still throwing up on themselves on occasion on that back nine. Yeah, I didn't, on the tour, I didn't have that many opportunities. The ones I can remember, I was fortunate that um, you hear the term in the zone. Um, I truly believe that's what happens. Uh, Guys get in a zone and they start thinking birdie, birdie, birdie. However, what you said is very true, Sam. You get to that back nine and now all of a sudden your name is on that leaderboard. And you go, oh, shoot, if I'm not careful, I could win this golf tournament. So almost instinctively, what do you do? You start now going, uh-oh, I don't want to screw this round up. I got this really good round going. Instead of just keep doing it, you almost catch yourself kind of backing up a little bit going, okay, I'm now I got it here. I don't want to blow it. You know what I'm saying? And I think the world-class player – doesn't do that (laughs) i still will go to my grave saying there is a certain group of guys on that pga tour that don't back up very often you will very rarely see them back up and john rom's one of them these days he doesn't he doesn't let anything get away he's not tiger woods yet by any stretch of the imagination but he's showing me something these first three weeks Oh, I, I just absolutely agree with everything that, that Woody's saying because I, I, I believe 100% of what you're saying about being in the zone. And the difference that I, I've noticed, at least in the times where I played any type of competitive golf, is 
there's a difference between believing that you'll do something that you'll win and thinking that you'll believe and do something. And usually what happened is like, once you realize that you're in contention, you have a chance to win. You either have two different feelings. You either, you either see, you either think, Oh man, I can win this tournament. You kind of like internally kind of shit yourself or you, you, you get confident and you say that I'm, I fully believe that I'm going to do this. And what I used to always tell myself in, in a situation like that is, this is why I practice. This is this is the reason I put in all these hours to do it. And usually when I said something like that, Sam, it gave me a little bit more motivation to say, all right, I, I've done the work now because this is what I was made for. This is what I practiced 50 hours a week to do. So it, it's, it's time for all the results to pay off. No doubt about it, guys. I think both of you hit the nail right on the head. We talked about John Rahm before this year. It just a little less than a month ago, we made our season-long predictions. I said that I think that John Rahm's going to have a player of the year type year. And guys, he's won four out of his last six starts. I mean, what is the ceiling for John Rahm on this season? It's kind of like the old Hogan. You can't birdie them all if you don't birdie the first. I mean... He has birdied the first of this PGA Tour season. To me, I, I wouldn't be surprised if John Rahm got to eight wins on the season if he continues to play like this. Am I crazy for thinking that, T-Dub? I, I think we're going to see something very similar to what we saw with, with Scotty Sheffer last year. He, he's just going to get on this immaculate run that he has, even going all the way back to, to when he played on the European Tour at the end of 2022. I mean, he he won twice over there. Now he's won uh, his first two starts over here. So it, it, it's all going to come down to the majors, though, for Rom. If, if he if he even if he wins seven or eight times and he doesn't win a major, I, I think he would probably end up calling that that season a disappointment because it, it, he's at the point now he still has the the major at tor- at Tory inevitably is where he won the U.S. Open. But if he's not able to, to increase that mark and get up to closer to Rory and Kepka with the four majors, or even let's say that and he doesn't win one, let's say Cam Smith wins another one, so he gets up to two ahead of Rom's one, Woody. I think that uh, it's going to come down all to the majors for him. No doubt. I think that's what made Scheffler's run really impressive. He was winning PGA events, and then he won the Masters. Rom has to win a major. I'm like, you. it's hard to look at a season if you win six, seven times, even eight times, that you go, wow, that wasn't a good season. But when you're at the level of player that he is, I think they all they all just get geared to those majors, and uh, thank goodness Jack Nicklaus and Tiger Woods set those bars where that's what those guys think. What am I going to try to do this year? I got to win a major, and so Rom and Rory, I would say, if they don't win majors this year, I'll be surprised, and if they don't, they'll be disappointed. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, looking at, I I said he won four out of his last six starts. His other two finishes in that stretch were eighth and fourth, and then second in the tournament before that. The The three tournaments before that, he finished 15th, 8th, and 5th. There is not a more obvious Masters pick than John Rahm right now. I, I would go ahead and throw the throw the money on it right now before the odds just get any, get even worse, guys. I mean, I am picking John Rahm at Augusta National. Is there any other guy you're going to pick at Augusta National other than John Rahm, T-Dub? I feel like at this point you'd be foolish not to. Um, I mean, like, for example, in our one and done pool, you have to pick two players. So, yes, we'll have to pick John Rahm and someone else or – Someone who who like Colby Powell's right, already ran out. John Rom, you know, we're not you're not going to be able to pick him there. But uh, but yeah, just as, as who has a chance to win? I think yeah, I think you'd be foolish right now to pick Rom just because he's the best player in the world. And I don't know. I need to pull up his odds. I don't have him in front of me, but I don't know how how they could get much worse because at this point, I mean, what more else does he have to show besides winning two or three more straight events? I think he's got to win, and and at Augusta, it fits him. Of course, you know I pick Rory. I'm I'm telling you, I'm thinking Rory's going to pull it off this year and win the Grand Slam. So I'm going to still stay with Rory. But if I got to go, you know, two picks on the one and done, I think I might go Rory and Rob that week. Yeah, no doubt about it, guys. To kind of wrap up the American Express, I did enjoy watching Robbie Shelton. Guy obviously played his college golf at Alabama. I played a lot of junior golf against him. He looks to be 
you know, he's been on tour for a couple of years, looks to be kind of getting comfortable out there. I would watch out for Robbie Shelton uh, to have a big year on the PGA Tour. Tom Kim, also consistent play, tied for sixth with Robbie Shelton. Matthias Schmid, another good young player. Um, Eric Van Royen, all up there in the top ten, along with JT Poston. Um, guys, I, I, I was really impressed with the golf I saw this week. Now, like we said before the golf tournament, it's a great place for these guys to practice. It's perfect weather and not the hardest courses in the world. Uh, to me, I think that like for a guy like John Rahm, you can take a lot out of it. Um, and, and for a guy like Davis Thompson, you can take a lot out of it. Um, but for some of these guys, like a, like a Scotty Scheffler, I don't think you knock him too much for not finishing in the top 10 of this golf tournament. He still shot 22 under. Sometimes it's just like whether the putts go in on a course like that or not, or on courses like that or not. Yeah, I completely agree, Sam. Especially when you're playing multiple courses like they do on the, on the three courses. I mean, even if, even if you miss the cut, like you said, you can, I mean, you had to shoot what nine under or 10 under. Yeah. You had to shoot 10 under to make the cut this week. So, I mean, you can put, shoot three under, three under, three under, which is usually pretty good, and, and you don't even get to play the final round, which is absolutely crazy. So, yeah, don't put a whole lot of relevance in this, especially because we have a gust in, what, two and a half months, so a lot of things could happen between now and then. I mean, hell, John Romp could get the driver yips between now and then. I, it, it's the last thing on earth I think would happen, but it could just in that amount of time frame. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't take a whole lot of relevance to this, but hey, I would say this, it is better to be having a little bit of success than compared to not, but that's the case for any situation. After the break, I want to get into our Farmers preview. I also want to wait until after the break to talk about Brandel Chambly blocking me on Twitter. So definitely stay tuned for that. But before we get to a break, guys, I saw something on Twitter that absolutely baffled me and it has to be wrong. Kind of a fun subject here. I saw presidential golfers ranked by handicap. Now, Donald Trump came in at number one. His handicap apparently is 2.8. That, I mean, that has to be a lie, number one. But number two has to be even a bigger lie. Joe Biden comes in at a 6.7 handicap, guys. If it was me, I'm calling it a complete lie and like the opposite of sandbagging here. There is no way that Joe Biden is a 6.7 handicap, guys. What are your thoughts on this? I'll say this. if There's two different routes you can go on the handicap trail. You can either try to sandbag and try to get in and all the, uh, you know, get your handicap tournament stuff, or you can want, you just post all your good scores and say that, you, that you're the best ever. And I feel like that's what the case happened here. Joe Biden may have played three rounds of golf back when he was 30 years old and played pretty good. And he had 30 mulligans and no one, uh, no one said anything to him about it. So he got to pick some of those scores. But I mean, some of these like, like Barack Obama he's down in a 13, he's probably somewhere around there from what I've seen. That wouldn't shock me entirely if that's the same. Um, but yeah, Woody, I feel like some of these now, now John F. Kennedy at a seven, I can believe that John F. Kennedy looked like he had, uh, some pretty decent golf game, but uh, especially Trump at the 2.8, his golf swing is not made um, for a, a 2.8 handicap. I would think something around the 8 to 10 range at best for our man Trump, unless he just makes every 50-footer he looks at. Well, he doesn't. And uh, let's just make this clear. <laughs> if you're the president of the United States, I believe you have what we call an ego. <laughs> and it's a large one. A really large one. So, I would love if I was, if I could go and do it, a lot of them are dead and gone uh, that are on that list. But those first three or four guys, besides Kennedy, I wouldn't have wanted to play Kennedy. But I'd love to give Trump two shots, a shot aside, <laughs> and Joe Biden giving. I'd go ahead and give him four aside. And let me tell you something: he can't steal enough money from all of us. I would, I would love a piece of that. Okay, so. <laughs> You know, we, we shouldn't be shocked at this, though, guys. It, the the presidents of the United States used to be what I call a pretty pretty neat job, and you you were really they were pretty special people. Uh, yeah, I don't see that much anymore. Okay, so um, if they open their mouth, they lie. Most of them nowadays. So I'm out. I I I even can't even believe that would be posted. <laughs> <laughs> 
the only president on this list that I don't see lying about his handicap is Dwight D. Eisenhower at an 18. I feel like that's that's correct because we know I he played that. a lot of golf. And so he, the yes, fact that he's not that. that low of a handicap, that makes me think that that's legit. He's pretty close. He played most of his golf at Augusta. You knew that. You know, he he right. loved Augusta National. You know, that's why we had the Eisenhower Cottage. and We used to have the Eisenhower Tree on 17 before it got knocked down. That's so, right. Um, yeah, he, that one, but, but that was back when a president didn't lie very much. So, uh, you know, it's a different era we live in now. But guys, let's, let's not forget who the best golfer who ruled a country of all time was. That was Kim Jong-il of North Korea. I mean, he shot 38 <laughs> under with 11 holes in one on a 7,700 yard golf course. He's 52 years old. I'm reading the article right here. I mean, it, I mean, 38 under par. A 7,700-yard course? He the was 52 guy, years old. The only guy that can beat John Rahm right now. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, you know, Mr. Young, you didn't make birdie there. Yeah, I didn't. Bam, you're gone. <laughs> Anybody else want to argue with my score? No, no, whatever you say. That's all we want. Like I said, those are there. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I had to see Woody up uh, for that one, guys. Uh, another interesting uh, thing that happened over this past week is TaylorMade cut Dustin Johnson, Matthew Wolf, and Sergio Garcia from their content shoots and added Grant from good good are you kidding me now we are cutting dustin johnson sergio garcia and matthew wolf and adding youtubers guys this is a horrible look this would be like callaway dropping taylor gooch and adding us this is the stupidest thing that i have ever seen in my life and this is how crazy the golf world has become that they are accepting grant from good good more than Dustin Johnson. What a freaking joke. <laughs> I couldn't agree more, but I mean, he stole the words basically out of my mouth. I don't know what even more to add. This is from the fact that it, it kind of shows where we're at nowadays, though, where uh, some guys on YouTube can, can create more, they feel like are a better marketing ploy than Dustin Johnson and, and, and all and those not. guys. It, it makes and absolutely, they're not. It, it's, it's pretty stupid to me. And, uh, but at the end of the day, Woody, I it, I understand why they're trying to do stuff like this, but it just seems like it's literally the maybe the dumb, one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Well, it's in the top two. I, I, I've, <laughs> I've seen some crazy stuff, but I think uh, I think the golf club companies, though, guys, are are starting to see more and more how big a footprint you know the internet and everything is. Just like you, Sam, where you're getting ready to talk about getting blackballed from your buddy Brandle on Twitter. Um, it's <laughs> a big, this is a big footprint gentlemen. And, and there's a lot of these guys, a lot of people at TaylorMade do nothing but crunch numbers. So there was somebody that said, you know what? We're going to put Grant with good, good. Cause he's going to make us more money than Dustin Johnson. Now I'm going to bet when he said it, they went, are you kidding me? But then I bet he had statistics to back it up. And the way you go, you never know. You just don't know. I'll say this, like, like we're like we're not hating on the good, good guys for no, this. I not mean, it's not all. their fault. They're no, in a perfect awesome. position. I that's love awesome it for them. For them. It's great. That, that is awesome for them. I, I, I totally, I am totally with you on that, T Dub. It just bugs me the disrespect to a guy like a Dustin Johnson or a Sergio Garcia or a Matthew Wolf. It's just disrespectful. Absolutely, and, and the analogy you made, like if if they dropped TG and brought us on, I mean, that would. I don't know. Even even like the good good guys, like as much as they have to love it, they have to be like, man, we just replaced Dustin Johnson. Like this is, and, and he's still out there making millions of dollars and going to be contending in major championships. It's just, it's weird to me what it really is. Well, it, it, the one thing that this live tour has done for those guys, it's it's made them a lightning rod for all kinds of things. Okay, and whether we like it or not, we won't see Dustin Johnson and Cam Smith and Taylor Gooch and all these guys till the end of February, boys. I mean, we will have had how many golf tournaments played by then? Six, seven, before we even see those guys. So they really are not on the radar like they used to be. Now, we as golfers, we know who they are. We know how good they are. But what have you done for me lately is how it comes down. If, if you're not out there beating the bushes every day, 
and flushing out stories, uh, you know what? You start to become out of sight, out of mind. I totally agree with you guys. We'll get into some more live stuff after the break, obviously, whether it be Brandel blocking me on Twitter uh, or the live schedule coming out officially. Uh, we'll get into that stuff after the break. But before we do that, Woody, I- I'm curious. Uh, we saw Brooke Henderson's bag over the weekend, and she had Waffle House on her bag, one of the coolest bags I've ever seen in my life. Number one, T-Dub, if you could be sponsored by anybody and have them on your bag, who would it be? And then story time with Woody, who actually was on your bag back in the day, Woody? Oh, dang. Uh well, you know, we didn't do anything that fancy. I, I had Ping and I had uh, Titleist. Um, I didn't. We didn't. I didn't have a Waffle House bag. Although I would have loved it if I, you know if you get free waffles. Oh man, <laughs> no doubt. I mean, of course, the problem is I'd wait about three fifty by the time that year was over. So, um, you know what what people are seeing, Sam, nowadays. You realize how much good that advertising is? I don't know what they're paying her, but it isn't going to be that much. She's on national television with that bag. You saw that bag, okay? That's right. You can't pay for that advertising. That advertising is so expensive. And kudos to them. Kudos to all these guys. How about all the net jets you see on shirts and, and on bags, okay? That's free. It's not free advertising, but it's unbelievable advertising, especially if you're on a major network for who knows how many hours the golf tournament is. And if you're in the league, you get it over and over and over again. So that's why we look like they're a NASCAR nowadays. There's something on every sleeve, on every collar, on every hat, on every bag, uh, because they figured out that was just unbelievably cheap advertising for what they're paying. T-Dub, you got an answer for me I yet? Mean, I, I, feel, I feel like Sam asked the, maybe the hardest question I've ever been posed with in my entire life. <laughs> I, I, I have seen so many choices flash in front of my eyes. I've seen, like, I, I, I thought about Curves Light or Corona or something like that. That'd be pretty cool. Or uh, you could go with, like, something like Christie's Toy Box. That would be interesting. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know. Am I, am, I, am, am I thinking a little bit, too, in the wrong direction with those choices? Uh, See, I was thinking, like, the obvious, you know, like, Lamborghini or uh, Bentley. Like, those would be obvious. But if I just had to go with, like, a local place, I mean – Give me Johnny's charcoal broiler, guys. I mean, imagine having a Johnny's bag. That would be badass to me. Yeah. Now, when I was uh, when when I was playing on the Champions Tour a little bit, I did work a deal with ZT Cigars, where I would uh, I would I, I had a little uh, thing on my bag, and they'd supply me with a few cigars now and then. So, uh, you know, it was. Uh, everybody's out there done different ways of making their their money. Uh, and if you got a good agent, they're gonna they're gonna beat so many other bushes, and you can't believe some of the stuff they come up with. I feel like my final verdict here, guys. I'm either going with the Raisin Cane's chicken or the Chick Fil A chicken. If either one of the Ooh. chicken companies want to get on a bag, go Ooh. for it because those, those got to be the final two choices. Those would be two really good choices right there. I could go for either one of those, but I like Donnie's too. So uh, you know. Here we go. Johnny's a strong. <laughs> no no doubt about it. Or Slim Chickens, if we're throwing chicken in there, T-Dub. We got to throw them in there as well. Hey, Slim's is good. Slim's Zaxby's is, is good, too. A lot, lot of good chicken around here. A lot of good chicken in Oklahoma, <laughs> for sure. Uh, T-Dub and Woody. Woody, by the way, we have great chicken in Oklahoma. We also have great banks. Am I right? Uh, well, I know of one that's really good. That's located on uh, 122nd North May. That's our friends at Quell Creek Bank. You know, they're off and running in 23. Uh, they haven't missed a beat. We're seeing their advertising almost every tour event we watch on TV. We're getting to see advertised that way. Uh, they're on our podcast, which I love them for that. The reason why, guys, they're just the friendliest bank I've ever seen. Of course, they have no ATM fees, and they're great with all their small business loans, car loans, home loans. But what they really do better than any bank I've ever seen is they greet you with a friendly smile, and they don't look at you like, what are you doing here? They look at you like, how can I help you? What can I do to make this experience better for you? How can you not go to that bank? If you're not, I've told you all along, you're making a mistake. Quell Creek Bank, it's a bank for you. 
Quail Creek Bank is the best bank in the Oklahoma City area. Definitely give them a Google and definitely change to them if you are looking to change banks, guys. Okay, after the break, we have a lot to get into, so stay with us here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof. It is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. And we are back rolling along here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Definitely go get all of your local golf news from Kim McLeod, Chris Swafford, and all the great guys up in Tulsa with Golf Oklahoma doing a great job. College golf is coming up. They are going to have you covered, especially in the Big 12 on golfoklahoma.org. Guys, the moment... You've all been waiting for last night on Twitter. Brandel Chambly blocked me. And here's why. <laughs> Brandel Chambly, who he does this damn near every week. But last night he was going on his soapbox, replying to people that were tweeting at him with legitimate points. Chris Pereira who is just a random guy on Twitter, tweeted at Brandel Chambly and said the OWGR is obsolete doesn't do what its name says. Legitimate point, Chris. Brandel Chambly says, Dustin Johnson chose to play in unofficial events, and the trade-off was that he got paid a lot of money for playing in those, quote-unquote, exhibitions. The rankings are meant to protect the integrity of the competitions, not to edify a kleptocracy. T-Dub, can you give me the definition on a kleptocracy real quick? Absolutely can. A kleptocracy is essentially corrupt politicians who enrich themselves secretly outside the rule of law through kickbacks, bribes, and special favors from lobbyists and corporations. So yeah, okay. once again, Brandon Chambly trying to get into the politics of things for essentially just that's the only defense that he has. Exactly, T-Dub. Just another Golf Channel employee bringing up the politics of the situation. They can't give me a legitimate golf reason why Dustin Johnson right now is ranked 44th in the official world golf ranking, T-Dub. So I quote tweeted Brandel Chambly, and I said this is quite possibly the dumbest take that I have ever read. Dustin Johnson is ranked 44th in the official world golf ranking. The official world golf ranking is a joke. The OWGR should not be used to determine major championship fields until it is fixed. It's morons like Brandel Chambly promoting this nonsense PGA Tour propaganda. And then within about 30 seconds, I was blocked from Brandel Chambly. Here is my problem with this. I will not ever get offended by someone blocking me. It's their right to do it. I don't care. My problem with it is that Brandel Chambly right now on the Golf Channel is one of the most prominent golf journalists that everybody listens to that doesn't know the facts about certain subjects. And so what Brandel Chambly is doing by blocking people with legitimate points on the other side is when you go to Brandel Chambly's Twitter, guys, 
You cannot see replies that are disagreeing with him with legitimate points like Dustin Johnson is ranked 44th in the OWGR. That should be the number one story in the golf world right now. The system is broken. But instead, Brandel Chambly, because he works at the Golf Channel and their bottom dollar is directly affected by the success of the PGA Tour, is silencing anyone with a differing viewpoint And I think that is extremely wrong politically. You know, if we're going to talk about Brandel Chambly's mindset, that's extremely wrong. And the other thing is, T-Dub, is that why can't we just have this conversation? And you give me legitimate golf points why Dustin Johnson is ranked 44th in the world or Taylor Gooch is outside of the top 40 and they're slowly pushing him out of the top 50 and saying, you know, look, eventually you're not going to be in the majors and we're not going to have to worry about any of this. The whole reason is because Brandel Chambly essentially by working for the Golf Channel is directly dependent on the success of the PGA Tour and doesn't want anyone else's viewpoints to be out there and that's soft and it's wrong and Brandel Chambly should be ashamed of himself. Go ahead. It's extremely soft and that's what it is because you finally joined the club, Sam. I'm surprised it took this long because at some point in the last few months, I was banned as well. I don't even know what the hell I said, but I got banned. Um, just, just for doing the same thing you did, just trying to bring up points and trying to really enlighten the other people who, like you said, may not know exactly what's going on, but that's exactly what he's trying to do. I, they made a classic South Park episode about this, about living in a safe space and, and not letting reality seep in because you just want to have your own, interpret your own facts the way that you want to. And that's exactly what Shambly's trying to do because people who, who get on their Woody and they'll see it and they'll say, well, oh, look, everyone's talking horribly about living. Everyone loves the PGA Tour. This must be how it is when in all reality that's not the case because you're selecting who gets to who what tweets get to be shown and which aren't. When I'm uh, when I'm looking at here is I didn't realize I was doing a show with such rebels. Gee, many Christmas. You gotta get banned. I, I, you I, gotta make a Twitter, Woody, so we can get we can check out what Brano Chambly's saying. You're the only one who has not been banned. <laughs> well, and, and and just so you guys know, that's why I'm not on social media. I don't even have a Facebook page because I went to Facebook jail about every other day. Uh, I would be banned from Twitter really quick. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of tongue in cheek giving you guys a little grief. But we're not done, gentlemen. It, I don't know why you guys thought at Christmas we all were going to sing Kumbaya and everybody's going to come out this year and be nice. No, 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 no. They're not going to be happy until they squash this live tour. And, and Sam, you said to me in the, when we were on off the air, you said, "What do you think? They won't be able to get that." Well, they're not. They they don't believe that. They're not going to be happy till they do. Okay, so don't get your dander up, guys. And don't. Hey, let me tell you something. Brandel Shambly blocked me. That'd be time to go have beer. That's celebration. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, my problem with it, guys, is that. He is not only silencing idiots on Twitter. I get that there's idiots on the live side, just, you know, you know, spam accounts on Twitter on the live side, and there's spam accounts on Twitter on the PGA Tour side. But he is silencing legitimate people and, and people with legitimate gripes about the situation of professional golf right now. I had a caddy tweet at me last night of a professional golfer basically – completely agreeing with me guys and so my problem is is that you are only hearing and this is my message to all the golf fans you are only hearing one side of the argument when you listen to people on the golf channel they are being silenced by their own company you don't even see live leaderboards on the golf channel and by the way the last major championship not even to mention dustin johnson the last major champion was and is a live golfer. So guys, wake up. It's not going anywhere. How about everybody wakes up and comes to common sense and give live official world golf ranking points and then see who's the better tour. But the PGA Tour, the monopoly that it is, is scared of a little competition and the Golf Channel is scared of the PGA Tour having competition. I am so fascinated to see how they handle the Players' Championship week because the defending Players' Champion, their so-called biggest tournament, is now on the live. Yep. So, I mean, I am just going to be fascinated 
by that, obviously referring to Cam Smith. But here's just a different point of, of just like, for example, us. Like, I still watch the, the golf channel, and I still want to hear what they have to say. I don't agree with what they're saying, but I'm not trying to silence and don't want to hear what they say to live in my own damn fantasy world. Like they are, I would like to see. I would love for someone to convince me someday that the PJ Tour is this all grand tour and this is how it should be. If someone can convince me of the argument that I, I will abide by, it, and I, I would love that because you would enlighten me to something I hadn't seen before. But they don't even want to see that. They don't want new opinions to enter their world, Woody, because they just want everything to stay the, the way that it is and not have any evolution. And, and Woody, that's what? my problem. That T Dub just said with it. I'm not on a side. I'm not on the live side. I'm not on the PGA Tour side. I'm on the side of golf and I cover the best golf tournament each week and numerous weeks last year numerous weeks coming up this year Liv will have the better product than the PGA Tour and there's no reason why they shouldn't have official world golf ranking points I'm on the side of the golf fan and until official world golf ranking is not used to determine these major fields I'm going to have a problem with it I'm with you I, I think what you guys are talking about what you two are doing is basing your argument on facts. Well, you see, that's where we run into a problem. Because when the other side, if you hit them with facts, then they're going to pull out the political angle. They're going to pull out, oh, they're just, you know, 54-hole tournaments. They're not going to want to argue fact to fact. And that's what you guys are finding. When you give them facts, what they either do is they block you <laughs> or they stick their head in the sand and they don't want to talk to. So it's it's right or wrong, guys. Just keep stating facts. And that's what both of you do. And you've got great arguments when you do it. And guys, it's not just live players or, you know, anyone affiliated with live. We even heard John Rahm before this tournament last week. It's time to get over the pettiness. Let the golf do the talking. The problem is if you don't let these live players in majors, they can't let their golf do the talking, T-Dub. And, and the, the ones who deserve to be in the majors will, will keep getting in up until the next few years. Uh, just from the, the way that they're, they're majors and all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I completely agree. And explain agree. that to people because obviously guys like Cam Smith and Dustin Johnson are going to get in and then everybody on the golf channel is going to say, oh, well, the guys that deserved it are, are in. You know, that there's no problem with it. No, guys like Taylor Gooch who have not won a major, younger guys like Eugenio lopez Chicar are slowly getting pushed out. Yeah, because they don't have the, the criteria to get in and if they don't stay in the top 50 in the OWGR, what's one of the main criteria to get in every single major you're, you're not going to be able to get in it so it's i it's, it's one of those things where we're not going to see the full consequences of it early on but if they can eventually get to where they have some points it, 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 i think everything will end up being all right because it, the, the world ranking points right now the way it's structured if they do get do get points with 48 players in the field woody they're not even going to get very many points anyway unless they, they win the tournament you can finish top three or four and you're still not going to get many points so it's one of those things where, yes, it'll help it, but even at the end of the day, I, I don't know how much it would actually solve the problem just because of the way the OWGR is currently structured. they got to give them something for crying out loud. You're, you're talking about some of the best players in the world playing golf right now, and they're just basically thumbing their noses at them. That, that, that's what I have a real problem with. I mean, I don't know how they're going to do it, but they got to come up with something to give them some kind of point. Or they're just going to do what you were saying, Sam. They're going to just drift right off. They're going to disappear from the golf. And here's here's the thing is that I have heard legitimate arguments from the other side that say, you know, if you play 72 holes and, and you have a cut, it's harder to win the golf tournament because a live guy could play great golf in the final round, right? That's a legitimate gripe, okay? What I would say to that is the live guys would have a legitimate gripe in the fact that it's much easier to win the John Deere Classic than it is any live event. And so my point is, this isn't just some other tour where the official world golf ranking has no problem giving those guys official world golf ranking points and everyone talks about this this precedent that no one actually knows what the precedent is to me the precedent is the hero world challenge guys there's no cut limited field just like a live event the problem is you disagree with the politics of the situation and you don't like it and that's that's the whole deal and so 
to me, at least bring up golf reasons why Dustin Johnson should not be ranked in the top 40 in the world. It's absolutely ridiculous. We could go on and on about that subject, guys. I I do want to bring up another subject that relates to this, guys. Keith Pelley, the CEO of the DP World Tour, revealed today that in December, he, along with Commissioner Jay Monahan, recused themselves from the OWGR board that will make the decision on Live Golf's application. The move was made at the advice of their legal counsel. T-Dub, what are your thoughts on this? It was inevitable. I don't think there's any way that they, they should have had voting rights on, on, on the, the, OWGB, the, the OWGR when it comes to Live. There's absolutely no reason they should have, Woody, because we know what the controlling interest that they have in it would be. So, yeah, there's absolutely no reason that they would, and I'm not shocked by this whatsoever. I think it was probably the appropriate thing to do without question. How can you be on a board that is making rulings when you've already been, you know, they've already been quoted as saying how much they don't like this live tour, and yet they would stay on that board that makes that decision that, you know, wow, guys, uh, at least somebody, you know, got a common sense going there where they're not on that, and then they shouldn't be on that. Yeah, I mean, no doubt about it. it. It obviously shows that that board, last year especially, was extremely biased. And, and I think that the advice of their legal counsel is saying, you you guys look like a monopoly when you're doing things like this. Um, speaking of things we've heard from the PGA Tour talking about Liv, they're saying, we will not talk to Liv until Greg Norman is out. And then all these rumors from the Golf Channel said there's – you know, Greg Norman is on the hot seat. No, he's not. Live Golf just announced that in 2023, Greg Norman is going to take an elevated executive role with Live Golf. Uh, guys, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, once again, another thing that that's, I'm not extremely shocked at. I'm not at the other, the previous news about Keith Pelly and Jay Monahan is a lot less shocking than than, it, than this was, but. Uh, I think that, yeah, I think it's a good move. And I, I, Woody, at the end of the day, it's, I don't think there's going to be any type of, of, of conversations really happening at any point in time. I, they're going to keep finding ways not to make it happen. So uh, it, it's, I feel like we're just keeping beating the stick with a dead horse at this point. No doubt. And we need to get February going and see how the lead takes off this year. I'm really excited about the tournament at, at Cedar Ridge and Tulsa this summer. I'm, I'm like you guys, I still believe this tour is a good thing. It is forcing the hand of the PGA Tour, which has never been done before. I worry because they can, boy, put a thumb on so many things. So um, false advertising, they're really good at it. You know, lying, they're really good at it. That Greg Norman was going to be out. No, he's not. Sam hit the nail on the head. In fact, they're giving him more responsibility. So I, I, I'm, I'm optimistic about 23 guys, but uh, – we need to get that live going again. I know that. Yeah, speaking of the live golf schedule in 2023, the full schedule is out. They will be heading to Mayakoba, Tucson, Orlando, Australia, Singapore, Oklahoma after Singapore, uh, Washington, D.C., Valderrama, Centurion, Greenbrier, Bedminster, Rich Harvest Farms in Chicago, uh, Doral, and then Jeddah. I mean, guys, this is basically, we've known, you know, 90, 80% of the schedule for a long time. Uh, This schedule looks awesome to me as far as, you know, venues that aren't just kind of what we saw last week on the PGA Tour pitching putts. It continues the trend of they're going to be playing some pretty uh, pretty good golf courses and pretty tough golf courses, it sounds like, especially Valderrama. Valderrama is one of the best golf courses in the world. And once we found out that, that that course wasn't going to be on the European Tour, rotation we kind of had the assumption that it was going to be a live event and that one's going to be one of the ones that i'm really mainly focused on uh, obviously besides the one at cedar ridge is going to be that one because just because it's such a good golf course but even the first one the el chameleon uh the one down in mexico that's where they had the pj tour event for numerous years so once again woody it's uh it's it's another good it's going to be good players and good golf courses i don't see really how you could really complain with the product no the product we there is no argument their product is just as good if not better at times than the PGA Tour. Uh, we've, we've already studied that. And we know their field, even though it's 48 players, it's top-heavy. It's really good up top. So 
the argument is always the same that we get. We we are live fans because we see it and we look at it as fact. The people that aren't live fans, they just don't want it, and they got multitudes of reasons. And I don't know, guys, that you're ever going to change it. I, I don't think we are. Yeah, I I don't think we are either, guys. Uh, and the PGA Tour is still doing things with players behind the scenes. We heard a lot of rumors about Adam Scott going to live before this year. It just announced, uh, you know, yesterday or the day before that, that Adam Scott is going to join the TGL, which is the simulator golf league with Tiger and Rory and Rom and JT. Guys, I mean, clearly Adam Scott's name was added on because he needed – you know, more benefits from the PGA tour. And they said, well, how about we give you a lucrative deal with the TGL T dub? That's at least how I look at it. I mean, you can, you can piece uh, two and two together to, to make your own assumptions on that. I mean, I would, like you say, you piece it all together. You make your own decision for yourself on, on along that list. Colin Moore Cowell was listed as well as one of the people to go on. And, and I'm actually very interested to see how this product turns out. It's going to be an entirely different look on golf. And as we, we alluded earlier with the, the good, good guys being, ahead of Dustin Johnson now on on advertising, golf is, is changing in a lot of different ways. So I feel like this is going to be a, a, a cool thing that may end up being done, especially if you have Tiger and Rory behind it. I don't feel like it's going to fail, Woody. No, no, it, it, it's not. And, and you, you guys hit the nail on the head. They, isn't it funny how they just invent this kind of stuff? Because now they want to make sure Adam Scott's on their team. They're they're not stupid, guys. we we got to give them credit for what they are doing. They are they are systematically making sure that whether it's the young guy coming out or the older guys, they don't want to lose any more players. They, they knew this league was real. They don't want to lose any more guys, period. No doubt about it. Guys, let's go ahead and cover the best event this week, which is the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines, one of my favorite venues that the PGA Tour goes to every single year. I mean, it's going to be tough to not bet on John Rahm this week, but just as far as Torrey Pines goes, T-Dub, I mean, it has to rank at least in your top five of, of PGA Tour venues, right? It's definitely up there. It's a, it's a fabulous course. It's going to test every aspect of your game. You, if you do not drive the ball well at this course, you're, you're not going to be very well at all. So, it's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great golf course. It's a very hard golf course because if you miss the fairway, you're in that thick, gnarly rough. And, and it's, it's obviously very long at sea level. So, it, it, it Woody, it, I don't know if you play Torrey Pines or not, but it, it, it's going to test every aspect of your game, especially on those Poana Greens, too. Uh, well, I, I did. I, I was very fortunate. I got to play Torrey a couple of probably four times is when, when I was on tour. Uh, let's just say you go from perfect that you had in uh, Palm Springs to who knows what you're going to get in San Diego. It should be pretty, but it can get a little ugly. And that golf course is hard especially that south course at Torrey Pines. Really deep rough, really a good test. Really a good test. John Rom, like I mentioned, is your favorite this week. Data Golf has him at a 16.4% chance to win the golf tournament. That's extremely high, guys, but... It might actually be too low. I, I mean, I don't know. The way that John Rahm is playing in the, his prior course history at Torrey Pines, I mean, you know, you have guys like Xander Shoffley, who is your second favorite at 8.4. So John Rahm is twice as big a favorite as a guy like Xander Shoffley or Tony Finau are in this golf tournament, T-Dub. I, I mean, in the seven times John Rahm has played, a, a tournament at Torrey Pines, including this tournament and the one U.S. Open that he's won. He's only finished outside of seventh place once. Uh, he's won here twice, finished second, fifth, a third, and a seventh in there. I mean, he just absolutely loves this place. He gains strokes gain off the tee every time he plays plays at this course. And even back when he wasn't the best putter in the world, he gains strokes gain putting on this course. So there's something about the Poana Greens that he likes. So I don't know what he's saying. Maybe onto something with uh, those odds, but you're going to have to pay a hefty price because uh, the, the the price on DraftKings and the betting odds in Vegas definitely reflect that he is the overwhelming favorite. You know, when Sam talked earlier in our show, he won four out of the last six times he teed it up. I think the worst he's finished in the last tournaments that we count is 15. So he's head and shoulders right now on a roll. We all know, though, golfers can only stay on a roll for so long, guys. It's just inevitable. He won't stay on this roll forever. So 
Is it this week that it comes off the track? Yeah, I don't think so, but we'll see. T-Dub, I think our listeners, if they're doing one-and-done picks, uh, need to realize that this is not an elevated event this week at Torrey Pines, even though it probably should be. Uh, so you should probably stay away from picking a guy like John Rahm or one of the top guys in the golf tournament. Uh, who are you going with in the one-and-done this week, considering all of that? With all that being considered, I am still going to go with a pretty big dog. The only reason is because I have picked him the last three years in this tournament. He did me well, except for last year where he missed the cut because he lost 3.2 strokes game putting. But, but, but besides that, he had played this course up until the U.S. Open, had played here eight times, had not finished worse than 24th in that stretch with uh, five other top 15s in there. That's Tony Finau. He, he just loves this place, and he plays so well. And I'm actually, even though John Rahm is the heavy favorite, Woody, I am going to pick um, Tony Finau to win this golf tournament. You know, I, I was thinking that, that he was a pretty strong pick. I like that pick. Um, you know, I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb this time, and I'm not sure if he's in the field is the only thing I'm worried about. Uh, Taylor Montgomery's got some scars this year after hitting that shank on 17. But this guy's ready to win, gentlemen. I think he's ready to pull a win off. And if somebody can give me a real quick check, because I don't yep. have my He is in me. the golf tournament, Woody, and he is he in the top is, 10 yeah. on the favorites. He has a 75% chance to make the cut, 3% chance to win the golf tournament. So really solid uh, if you're going to go that route. I'm going to go with him. I, I, I think he's, he's ready to bust out, guys. He really is. Guys, for my one and done this week, I am going with a guy that Data Golf really values more than Vegas values this week, and that's Sung J M. He is your sixth highest favorite on Data Golf. Um, a little bit more down the list when we look at Vegas odds, but the thing I really like about Sung J M recently is his putting stats. He almost gained a full shot on the field at the American Express last week. He needs to hit the irons a little bit better, but prior course history, guys, last time he teed it up at this event at the Farmers, he finished tied for sixth and gained over a shot and a half on the greens and off the tee as well and around the greens. Um, so if he hits his irons well this week, I think he could be in contention. T-Dub, do you love or hate that pick? I think it's a solid pick, mainly from the course history. The course history is very solid there, as you alluded to, has not missed the cut here. Anytime he's played here, the worst finish was 52nd, but that was the first time he played here. And he's gained strokes gain on the greens the last three times he's played this course as well. So, yeah, I like that pick. But the the, uh, the approach to green, the iron play, is, is a little alarming because the last two events have not been very solid at all. So as long as he can straighten that out, he'll be good um, because his driving, besides the one week at the Sony Open, seems to be um, one of the best in the world just because he hits it so straight. T-Dub, why don't you go ahead and give us your DraftKings lineups? My DraftKings, for some reason, I don't know if it's because it's snowing outside, is not loading. So just go, give the people your DraftKings lineup for this week. I can do that. So uh, at 6,800, going to go with the guy I picked last week. Didn't do so well, but I think he, he's going to rebound this week. That's Austin Ekro. 6,800, I think that's fairly cheap value. And, and, and same as last week, he, he had shown so much promise, especially at the Sony Open. Where he finished 12th. I just don't think he putted very well this last week, but he still hit his irons pretty good. Um, so I think he's going to do good. Uh, another player I like is uh, someone you alluded to earlier, Sam, at 7,200. Fairly cheap deal. That's Robbie Shelton. He played exceptionally well this last week. Finished, uh, what he finished, T6. Um, even before that, he finished T10th, going all the way back to the RSM Classic. And uh, in the two times he's played the Farmers Championship, he's made the cut with a 16th back in 2021. So I expect him to keep that going pretty good. Um, another guy like at 8,600 going to go to with Maverick McNeely. Maverick has been, uh, like Top Gun Maverick, has been doing really well as of recently. Finished uh, seventh at the Sony Open and then has not missed a cut going all the way back to the Fortnite Championship. So we really expect him to go, do good. Another guy who played really well this last week that I like is Jason Day. Showed a lot of promise. Kind of had the not the best Saturday round out there, but um, played uh, hit his irons really good as he has really going all the way back to the middle of last year, so I expect Jason Day to keep it going. Another guy who's won at this course twice, so I like him very much. And then a price that really shocked me here at uh, 9400 is uh, is Justin Thomas, who's my most expensive in my lineup because I went pretty middle-loaded, but uh, I feel like that's the cheapest you're ever going to get JT on a DraftKings lineup. 
Uh, so, and he, he's he's played this tournament only. He's actually only played this course four times, and he's three or four on cuts with a top ten back in 2014. So I, I just said Justin Thomas at 9400. I had to pick it, and then I, I skipped one at 9200 because Woody mentioned so much Taylor Montgomery. I think he's going to have a very solid week, and uh, he, he just has not shown any signs of really playing bad except for the one swing on 17. So uh, kind of went pretty middle load in my lineup this week, Sam, but I'm feeling confident with it. Going to try to get all six made cuts. And as far as your best bets and worst bets for the week, looking at the board here, John Rahm at plus 400. I mean, I know that it's only plus 400, but I think he has a legitimate chance to win this golf tournament. Um, but you're not going to get very good odds on him. Um, even a guy like Taylor Montgomery, only at plus 2,600. I would go down the list this week, guys. There's some solid value you can find at a guy like we saw last week, Davis Thompson. He's plus 9,500. Or a guy like Ricky Fowler at plus 10,000. Or a guy like Davis Riley at plus 11,000. I think you can go down the list this week and find yourself some decent long shots uh, for Torrey Pines on a place that is going to play a lot harder than the courses we've seen so far this year. I think that, you know, go back and look at some prior course history and maybe some younger guys that are playing some solid golf on the PGA Tour. I think you can go down the list here. I think if John Rahm doesn't win... Man, I, I see some value in some of these long shots down there. Ricky Fowler, you know, looks to be getting some things figured out with his golf swing. It's going to pop eventually. Even a Hayden Buckley at plus 7,000, who we've seen play some solid golf uh, so far this year. Guys, have I missed anything as far as the Farmers goes, T-Dub? Uh, no, I, and just like we keep talking about Torrey South, they do, they, they will play one round at, uh, at Torrey North, which a couple of years ago they did renovate. So it's a little bit harder. It used to be, it used to be like that, that course would play like three and a half to four shots easier than the Southwood at times. So it was, it was definitely a benefit to, to get out on that course first and, and post an, a low number, but not necessarily the case so much now. So uh, expect to see, uh, uh, really, I think the big dog is going to prevail as much as I, I, I do love your underdog pick, Sam. I do expect one of the top um, top four or five favorites, um, whether it be Rom, Fina, who's my pick to win the tournament, even Zalatoris, who yep. we haven't mentioned yet. I think it's a good I, pick I at this probably, I expect one of those. Uh, just to, on Zalatoris, I think you probably stay away from Zalatoris until he proves to us that he's truly healthy, T-Dub. That's just my opinion on him. I, I, I absolutely agree. That's why I, we, that's one of the reasons why we haven't talked about him is because yeah, like we're not going to pick him necessarily, but he, he could show some promising form, and then who knows, by the time we do see the form, he's already won. So sometimes they, they can kind of yep. beat you to that punch. That's exactly right, and I think you hit the nail on the head. That's why you have some decent players like a Davis Riley or a Davis Thompson with, you know, there, there's such long shots this week because it is such a top-loaded field this week. Really solid field for a non-elevated event, guys. I want to end the show, and Woody, I got to get your thoughts on this. Our man... Spencer Levine, Monday qualified for the Farmers Insurance Open. So we will see our man Spence this week at Torrey Pines. Woody, what are your thoughts? <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a crap shoot for you. Um, you know, I, there's a part of me that pulls for Spencer Levine. He's had some rough times, man. And he's, he's, he's still out there. He's still doing his thing. And he's still trying to get in golf tournaments. Um uh, It'd be a good feel-good story if if he happened to have a good week. That would be kind of cool to have a good week. I, I'm pulling for him. I'll just say that. Uh, so, obviously, we were not all in person today, but we will be in person for the majority of our shows. Obviously, it's crazy weather outside this week, and the Farmers starts on Wednesday and not Thursday. Keep that in mind this week. It starts on Wednesday to avoid the NFL games on Sunday. So definitely tune in a little bit earlier than you normally do and make sure to look for our 73rd hole in-person shows in the future as well as our radio show coming up on Super Bowl Sunday. And it'll be lasting from Super Bowl Sunday until the end of the Ryder Cup. And that's on 98.1 FM, the sports animal in Oklahoma City on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So definitely keep an eye out for that if you're in our area as well. 
T-Dub, thank you. Woody, thank you. This has been Sam Humphreys here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.